This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It is time now for Science with Simi. I've got a cool one for you today. We're talking about something called exoplanets. Okay, I wasn't entirely sure what exoplanets were, but apparently that's a planet that is outside our solar system. And in the last couple of decades, we've discovered quite a few of these. Some of the biggest discoveries actually were just announced this week. New planets that are actually much closer to us than we realized. So how cool is this? Well, let's find out from one of the people who actually made this discovery. His name is Dr. Maximilian Gunther. He is the Torres Postdoctoral Fellow at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and I had a chance to chat with him earlier this morning. Well, Max, thank you so much for joining us today. First of all, tell me about the kind of work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. So I'm a Torres Postdoctoral Fellow at MIT, and I'm working mainly with the TESS mission. That's the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite. And TESS just recently completed its first year of science, um, actually just about two weeks ago. Um, so we scanned through the entire sky and we try to find new exoplanets. Those are planets that orbit other stars outside of our solar system. Okay, and what did you find? So we had a really interesting discovery that we published uh, just this Monday, and it's the uh, object is called TOI-270. TOI stands for Test Object of Interest, and this is a very faint, cool star, and it's an M-dwarf star. That means it's much, much smaller than our sun. It's basically about 40% the size and mass, and uh, much cooler. And we found actually not just one or two, but actually three planets around there. And um, these are quite interesting ones because they're a so-called super-Earth. That's a planet that's probably rocky, about um, the same size as Earth, but a little bit bigger. That's what the super stands for. So it doesn't have any special powers. It's just a bit bigger. (laughs) And the other two are TOI-270C and D. Um, These ones are so-called mini-Neptunes. So they actually look more like Neptune, the one that we have in our solar system, but they're only half its size. Uh, So Neptune is about four times the size of the Earth, and these ones are about twice the size of the Earth. So it's a category of planets that we don't have at all in our own solar system. And and how far away Um, are they? They're actually only 73 light years away. So it's one of the closest um, transiting planet systems like this, um, where we can actually measure the radii and the masses of all these planets and even um, study the atmospheres. So 73 light years sounds quite long, but in our uh, length scales, it's actually really close. And how habitable do these look? One you called a super Earth there, does that mean that it has a similar atmosphere? Yeah, that that can be slightly misleading nomenclature. Um, Thing is, when we say super Earth, we mainly define this by the size of the planet. So it's a little bit bigger than Earth. Um, This one, actually, we have some uh, mass measurements coming up soon. um, And we actually think this one is rocky. Uh, however, it's far from what we know on our Earth because this planet is still really, really close to its star. It actually orbits on an orbit of around 3.4 days only, while our Earth, as we all know, goes around in 365 days. Hmm. Now, that means this this planet is about 14 times closer to its star than Mercury is to our Sun. Of course, the star is a little bit uh, smaller, the star is a little bit cooler, um, so the temperatures are not quite as drastic as if we would be that close to our Sun. But still, it's about an oven hot temperature. So it's about 490 Fahrenheit or 250 Celsius. So it's much too hot on the surface um, for any life as we know it to exist. But are there um, less? The two out- 
Sorry? I was going to say, are there lessons we can learn, though, from these planets? Like, does it tell us something about our solar system? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's actually what I find the most interesting in this system is that, A, we don't have these uh, mini Neptunes in our own solar system. So the question is, why do these so commonly exist around these really small stars? Because we find hundreds and hundreds of those around other stars. But the really interesting question is, what happens in the formation of these systems and what happened in the formation of our own solar system? Um, because A, why don't we have these planets? But also, these super-Earths or Earth-like planets, did they eventually, uh, did they possibly form in the same way as these mini-Neptunes formed? That means maybe in the past, millions and millions of years ago, they had a really thick gas envelope. But now, because they came too close to the star, um, the stellar winds and uh, potentially flares and activity of the star um, led to a photo evaporation of their atmosphere. So basically only the rocky core is left. And that's something that we really look forward to studying in this system. So this is an exceptional laboratory to test these things that we only have as theories right now. That's really a hot topic of research that just came up in the last few years. Hmm. And we have a couple of simulations, we have a couple of theories, but we have no laboratory to test this. And that's what we really look forward in the next two or three years. We're going to probe the atmospheres of all these planets, and we're going to try to probe... Um, whether these maybe have formed from the same mechanism and uh, or whether actually they might even invert some of our other understandings. So um, maybe they formed in different ways. And that's something that then lets us link back to our own solar system. Like how did our own Earth form? Maybe our own Earth was also at some point covered in a really thick atmosphere that would make actually life inhabitable, um, would make our surface inhabitable for life. Um, because under these really thick, atmospheres, the pressure and the temperatures due to the greenhouse effects are so strong that uh, the surface would be much too hot and under much right. uh, pressure. So that's actually a really interesting question for the origin of life on our own Earth as well. I'm curious though, like we're got, we've obviously gotten so much better at um, finding these things. You said this is, this is relatively new um, instruments that you're using to do that. But how are we, how can you see and get all that information from something that is so far away? Yeah, um, it's actually basically a massive effort of that started um, tens of years ago with the engineers and the people who planned this, the people who developed the cameras, and to nowadays a team of over 100 people worldwide working on all this. But the basic technique is relatively simple. So what we do is we take a picture of the sky with our satellite, um, more or less every, uh, well, every couple of seconds, but we stack those up to like images of about two minutes, um, so it's the same as if you're a hobby photographer or something, you would just point your DSLR camera or maybe even your smartphone up to the night sky and you just take a long exposure. So you basically you see a big image of a lot of black and then a couple of white dots in there. And those white dots are the stars that we're looking at. And then we actually look at those every two minutes. So we take a picture every two minutes over an entire month and then we switch to a new field of view. But all these images together, we look how bright is this little white dot of light over time. And if we, for example, look for planets, then we see, okay, um, we see 100% brightness all the time. And as a planet transits, that means it passes in front of its star, it is like a little blend. So it uh, hides a little bit of the stellar light. So this uh, brightness of that little white dot that we measure decreases a little bit by maybe only 1% or even less um, than that. So these planets here, for example, they're like 0.1%. And 
as we measure this in a periodic manner. So, for example, in every three days, we find this little dip of light. Mm -hmm. um, then we can calculate from that the size of the planet, and we can look at it with other instruments to measure its masses and find out about the molecules and its atmosphere. That is amazing. So what's next now? You found this is a pretty good discovery in the last couple of weeks, but what happens now? So the big thing about this system is we really want to nail down all these questions about the atmospheres. So we applied for time with the Hubble Space Telescope, and we will start some observations with that next year. Um, we have mass measurements with uh, Espresso and Harps uh, instruments, and we will soon go after it with the James Webb Space Telescope once it is launched in the next few years. And that is only one of these exoplanetary uh, systems, but TESS has actually set out to discover tens of thousands of exoplanets. Um, so it's a big an interesting field and it's also going to be very very exciting to see what other kind of interesting systems do we find maybe there's some planets that we don't even think about right now uh, that could exist and the most exciting thing for observers and as well theorists is to see that the theories are broken so we need to uh, find new theories about explaining new knowledge that we observationally gather like what do you mean uh, what theories really are broken um, for example, in our own solar system, uh, we have this formation um, of the planets that we have the four small rocky planets really close to the sun. And then further out, we have the four massive gas planets. So Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, all about the same size, all rocky, all have very thin atmospheres. But then Uranus, Neptune, Jupiter and Saturn are these huge gas planets. And the idea behind that is that the solar system formed like it is nowadays mm -hmm. and Further away from the star, it's really cold, so you're beyond the so-called ice line. So you could um, glue things together with ices that form, and you can build a really big uh, core really quickly, and that core gravitationally attracts all the gas around it. That's why these gas giants are out there. But then the very first exoplanet that was discovered in 1995, actually, showed us that was a massive gas planet, exactly like our Jupiter, around a star that was very similar to the Sun, but it was on a a few day orbit so it was extremely close and that basically revolutionized the theories about our own solar system because how can this happen like it can't form in there right and then many many groups went off and uh, and investigated that and uh, the whole like migration theory mm -hmm. about exoplanet systems and our own solar system came along as a consequence and so this is one example from the very beginning of our field um, how these new observations can revolutionize our own thinking about our own solar system. You know, Max, as if these ideas aren't big enough and you're not busy enough at work, um, is it true that on the side you also do triathlons? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, just just the last uh, month I finished two Tough Mudders. <laughs> you, what, how, how? how do you have so many goals and get so much done? <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's something you need if you work um, with data science and with these kind of astronomical timescales all the time, you, you want something as a balance in your life. You want to feel grounded. You want to exercise um, to free your head again. And I, I just found for myself these kind of competitions are, are really driving me. <laughs> no kidding. Listen, Max, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. That's Dr. Maximilian Gunther, the Torres Potsdork Doctoral Fellow at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, telling us all about exoplanets and their recent discoveries. Some pretty cool stuff there on Science with Simi.